This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. you about Annie Minerva Turnbow. She was born August 9th, 1869. She was born to two people who were born in bondage. Actually, they worked on a plantation together in Kentucky. Uh, They had nine children together during their bondage years. Her dad actually literally walked off the plantation and joined the Union Army during the Civil War. Um, Before he did that, though, he led his wife and their nine children to the Underground Railroad into Illinois to freedom and went back, whooped that ass, and and became free. What's really crazy um, for me, Annie was their 10th child. She was not born in bondage, of course, in 1869. But one of the first acts that her father, Robert Turnbow, did when he was emancipated was that he went to City Hall in Illinois and applied for a marriage license. That's not what I'm gonna talk about today, but I do wanna take a slight detour because there's this notion that somehow black men don't take care of their children or marriage is is a thing of the past or that um, it's not in our DNA because of slavery for us to have strong family bonds. I say um, hockey puck, or I wanna say something that's a curse, but I won't, you know, because it is BS. Um, Because the reality is, even though this man wasn't, didn't own himself, he had such a bond with with this woman that they had nine and then 10 children together. But he didn't just, he wasn't comfortable just that because he couldn't own himself, therefore he couldn't marry under law. The first thing he did was to go make that legit. And that's in our DNA. So I just wanna just take that detour and let that sit for a second. Okay, so Annie was born again, 1869. She was their 10th child and she was barely Uh, A couple of years old, could barely walk when both of her parents died within months of each other. So she didn't really even know them, but she ended up having to move to Peoria, Illinois, to live with an older sister. She had an affinity towards chemistry and and herbs, and she wanted to to really do a lot of experiments. She was just really that kind of curious kid. But, of course, being poor, she could not go to school to really um, exercise that mind of hers, but she still exercised her mind even if it wasn't formally, and she went into the bush and met with this, um, I wanna call her medicine woman, uh, we would call her herbologist today, and the woman helped her put together different potions and concoctions and healing herbs and uh, things that would help people with the different ailments, and they ended up growing to come to Annie for different things. As, as a matter of fact, she kind of lived in the front room of her sister's apartment. It was a little tiny apartment. I think other siblings lived there as well, and her sister would have friends over. And during this time, a lot of black women were suffering from skin burning in the scalp. The scalp was burnt because this was an error shortly after enslavement when, if you remember that scene from 12 Years a Slave where Lapita Nyong'o said, I just wanted to get a bar of soap. I couldn't stand my own smell. I just wanted to be clean. Well, if you imagine not being able to control your hygiene, not being able to wash when you wanted to, which is why even to this day, black people over-index in the purchase of cleaning solutions, bath solutions, all of these things we over-index in, and that's a Nielsen's fact. You can check it out for yourself. Black people spend more money on detergent, all kinds of clean wash, body washes, and all of that than any other group in this, in this country, probably in the world. But it's probably because psychologically, the notion of being clean wasn't something we could control. 
couldn't control our own hygiene, couldn't control our own clothing, couldn't control how we, anything, including marriage, right? So when you have the opportunity to do something about it, women, black women in particular, went out in droves to try to be presentable. And I'm putting up air quotes because what was presentable back in the 1880s and 90s and early 1900s was to look like a white woman, which means your hair had to be straight. As a matter of fact, during this era, uh, skin lightning, lightning creams and pills and potions were also very, very huge. A lot of snake oil salespeople were out there taking hard-earned money from sharecroppers and others. I mean, folks were spending money that they didn't have to lighten their skin and straighten their hair. I mean, if you even look at old, uh, old pictures of, like, Frederick Douglass and others, you know, hair slicked back with, you know, as best as it could, as they could with some sort of uh, pomade or something that was big. There was, um, um, I've just read this book Prince of Darkness which is about the wealthiest one of the wealthiest black men on Wall Street Jeremiah um, I can't remember his last name his name was Jeremiah and he would w shave his head and wear a straight white wig a straight black wig would wear a wig like a straight white people's hair <laughs> it's like what was that about I don't know but I do know because when you tell people that everything about them is ugly and bad and wrong and evil and stupid and lazy and all of these things, you want to run away from that if, if you happen to be born into one of those bodies. So it's no secret that a lot of black women's scalps were burnt to smithereens and Annie's sister brought a few of her friends home. She noticed one of her friends had like a really bad patch of baldness. And so she went to the uh, medicine woman, the, the, the herbologist, and got a potion. And when the girl came, she put it on it. And three weeks later, hair started growing. And, of course, word spread. Little Annie can grow some hair. And this led to her forming a company. She started a company called Poro, P-O-R-O. And she even opened a college, Poro College, which taught women her process for hair straightening and hair growth. And also she sent women out. She was, she was Acme, uh, excuse me, she was Amway and uh, Mary Kay before there was an Am Amway or Mary Kay. She was the first person to send people out into them streets to sell product like this. Well, she probably wasn't the first, one of the first. Definitely one of the most successful. By 1912, Annie Turnbow's company was making nearly a million dollars a year, which is about $8.1 million in today's dollars. Who's making a million dollars a year? Raise your hand. Mine isn't up, by the way. <laughs> so that says something in 1912 that this woman with no formal education born to people who are in bondage could, could form a company out of her genius that would make a million dollars a year in 1912. You better say it. 2020, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 
Sarah Breedlove, Sarah Breedlove started selling for Annie. Actually, Annie sought her out because she was, at the time, I think, washing clothes and things and knocked on her door. Actually, Annie was going door to door in black neighborhoods telling black women, you don't have to clean houses of white people. You don't have to take care of their kids. You can make more money selling this product for me. And she was right. And she said, let me show you. And Sarah Breedlove put her washboard aside, took up this uh, Poro hair uh, product, and went out and started selling. She was one of her best salespeople. She was one of Annie Turnbull's best salespeople. And it was Annie that asked her, why don't you expand my territory by moving out, I think it was to St. Louis. And, uh, and the rest is history because in moving out, uh, Sarah Breedlove met a man named C.J. Walker, a traveling salesman, who convinced her to uh, take Annie Turnbull's formula, remix it, and call it the Wonderful Hair Grower. Hmm. Changed her name to Madam C.J. Walker, and you know the rest is history. And through her traveling salesman, husband, they were able to spread the Wonderful Hair Grower all over the country. But guess what? Poro still had more customers. It was still the dominant brand of women's hair care products, and, and Annie Malone was wealthier beyond belief. Actually, Madam C.J. Walker wasn't selling a million dollars a year in product, period. But what she was selling was her brand. And I'm, I'm talking about this because it's interesting that we, um, I'm going to tell you why I'm talking about it in a second. But I, I think about this. The, the Everyone that I know knows who Madam C.J. Walker is. But very few people know who Annie Malone is. Annie Turnbull Malone. I'm sorry, she ended up getting married. Her husband's name was Malone, but I'm going to call her Annie Minerva Turnbull. Very few people know that name. And it's because she was busy getting busy with her business while Madam C.J. Walker understood that one of the pathways to success is to fake it till you make it. So she would uh, buy expensive cars with the little bit of money that she was, I mean, she was making good money, but she would turn that good money into bad, in my opinion, by spending money on lavish homes and cars and clothing. She was known for that. She also um, had uh, the unique ability to, to forge friendships with people in the media. So they would cover events and, and spin it for her. Like she had a run-in with Booker T. Washington early on, and he ended up later becoming quite friendly. But early on, he totally disrespected her. But the way it played out in the media was that she was a star and a hit at his conference. That was a lie. <laughs> that, was, that was fake news. But if you were reading it, it was the only source of, of news. You thought Madam C.J. Walker was a philanthropist. She was, you know, the, be the belle of the ball. She was a millionaire. They were saying she was a millionaire, and she wasn't. And that's interesting to me because, you know, what we see always is not what is. And I want us to spend a little bit of time kind of peeling back the layers of this onion called life and looking at people really looking at them, not what they're showing us, not all of the flash, not all of the fancy cars and clothes, not the red bottoms and the jewels, and the bidet, but let's really look at, at them. But more importantly, let's look at ourselves because what does it matter what a person has? But Madam C.J. Walker understood something, and I don't think this is unique to black people, but that people are more amazed and they're more likely to trust somebody who they deem wealthier than them. They're more likely to, to believe in somebody that they deem has it all figured out. And it's how they dress and it's what they drive and all this other stuff. When the reality is that quiet person who nobody was checking for, who was just stacking chips, was 10 times more wealthy than Madam C.J. Walker. Annie Turnbull was, okay? 
Now, I'm reading this book called Black Fortunes. I'm going to be doing uh, a book club starting in February, the fourth uh, Sunday in the month. I am going to be on YouTube doing a live book club about, uh, you know, and this is going to be one of the books. The first book is actually going to be Carter G. Woodson's The Miseducation of the Negro. But this book by Shamari Wills, profound, and I wish I had read it 10 years ago because I've been telling the story of Madam C.J. Walker as long as I can remember from the standpoint of her being the first self-made uh, female woman millionaire in the, in the country, lie, first self-made black millionaire in the United States. That was not true. There were a lot of black, as a matter of fact, the subtitle of this book is The Story of the First Six African-Americans Who Escaped Slavery and Became Millionaires. None of them were Madam C.J. Walker. One of them was Annie Turnbull. And I'm not disrespecting Madam C.J. Walker, but I'm just kind of illustrating how history is an interesting, mutable thing and how we must be committed to truth at all costs because whoever gets to tell these stories 100 years from now when no one's alive that remembers can codify a lie into the annals of history. So I'm here to tell the truth, all right? Madam C.J. Walker was an incredible saleswoman. One of the greatest things that she sold was herself. But at the end of the day, it was Annie Minerva Turnbull who was real, the real pioneer in women's hair care. And she should be a household name, particularly in every black woman's home, black person's home in America and beyond, because without her, all of the different ways in which we, we talk about hair care today would not be possible. She was a pioneer because she believed that black women should be beautiful, not beautiful like white women. As a matter of fact, when people would come to her and say, I want to look like this and show her a picture of like Greta Garbo or somebody, she would tell them, why do you want to look like that? The way you look is beautiful. Let me help you look the way you look better. So her thing was black pride. She wasn't trying to follow behind the white standard of beauty because that didn't exist. And she was a pioneer in that way, too. But there's not going to be a miniseries about Annie Minerva Turnbull. I guess maybe I'll have to do it. All right, I'm here for funding. Anyway, uh, on November 10th, um, 2016, Zero Gravity Management announced that they had optioned the rights to Lilia Bundles' biography of Madam C.J. Walker. Lilia Bundles is uh, Madam C.J. Walker's, I want to call her a step granddaughter, I mean, it's a strange, complicated situation there, but y'all can read up on that yourself. But anyway, uh, Alilia Bundles wrote a book entitled On Her Own, uh, and she and it's been uh, On Her Own Ground, excuse me, and it has been optioned into a, a mini-series, a limited series that will be appearing on Netflix, set to premiere March 20 of 2020, starring Octavia Spencer as Madam C.J. Walker, directed by Cassie Lemons. Um, and that's interesting. Uh, Blair Underwood is going to be playing C.J. Walker. By the way, this is uh, executive produced by LeBron James and Maverick Carter, um, and it's going to, among others, there are other people. And it, uh, I'm, I, I'm excited to see it. I'm going to support it. I'm wondering what role Annie Minerva Turnbull will have in it because I don't. You can't have a Madam C.J. Walker miniseries without this woman. But this is the thing, you know, um, I'm going to support this because I'm going to support all, all, all things us, <laughs> you know, um, but, but let's support with an eye towards also being honest about what the real hit facts are. And uh, so I'll leave it with that. I want y'all to all get the book Black Fortunes, and I hope you guys read it and be and you're ready for the book club. Um, I haven't decided which month we're going to be discussing it, but 
it is inspiring. It is life changing for me because a lot of the stories that I thought I knew, I don't really know because it's not enough to know a piece of a story. Madam C.J. Walker was incredible, incredible. But everyone needs a catalyst. She would have still been washing clothes if Annie Turnbull had knocked on her door that day. And I, I feel like to pay homage to Madam C.J. Walker without paying homage to Annie Turnbull is doing a travesty to even Madam C.J. Walker. So with that, uh, I'm going to encourage everybody to tell the truth, to get it right, to, to hold each other accountable to, the, to those truths, and, uh, and, let's, and let's start telling our own stories. All right. Let me know what you think. Follow me on the Twitters at Karen Hunter. And again, subscribe to my YouTube channel where I'm going to be going live um, at the end, the fourth Sunday in every month, starting in February with a live book club chat at Karen Hunter Show. Subscribe to that channel on YouTube and listen to me on Sirius XM, channel 126. All right. Appreciate you. Share this with some people. Till next time. <laughs>